if you're buying a 4090, let me get out of my soapbox. If you're buying an RTX 4090, <laughs> you're not gaming at 1080p. You're not gaming at 720p. I don't want to see these CPU scaling benchmarks of the 4090 at 720p. Get a life. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We have reached episode 738. This is being recorded on August 30th, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. That's right, we're all here. We're back with more energy than ever before, or at least more energy than last week. Because last week was that kind of mm. low-key show. Energy. We have exciting news, though, to talk about. There was stuff last week that we couldn't talk about, and now we can, because announcements have been made. But first, we want to draw your attention to that thing that creators do, where they beg for money, patreon.com slash pcper, and keep the lights on. Literally, I have have lights. These lights. That are pointed at the wall behind me. Lights. Those would go off, and nobody wants that. No. Then this would be done in the dark, and it's... That's not I mean, you're already in the semi-dark, so it's True. it would get even darker. Yeah. Although even sure this dark darker. lighting, his lighting is is looking brighter, more colorful. He's showing mm-hmm. off those graphics cards on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to our most important segment of the week. Josh, are you ready to talk about food? Well, I'm always ready to talk about food. Uh, you know, we've seen this before. Then you'll probably see it again. Uh, they didn't have a special this week at Born in the Barn. And so I got uh, I got what I sometimes usually get, but this time they made it to perfection. This is the naughty. I know it, it looks a little messy, but it's fantastic. So basically what the naughty is, is two, two patties. It's a half pound of meat. It's uh, chopped up bacon on... Nicely melted cheddar cheese, fresh cut jalapenos, a spicy sriracha ketchup, and a spicy, you know, a little dab of spicy mustard. And it all, it all just, just works. And, you know, the burgers were well done. I mean, the lighting wasn't great to where I took a picture. It, 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 it looks probably darker than it actually was. But I'll tell you, the fries were great. They were perfectly done crispy not over hard and um they weren't still kind of wet so they they didn't make it you know soggy in the cardboard box so this was this was a good one i'm quite happy and now i'm full and tried to take a nap after work and and my gut was telling me that's probably not a great idea so you know yeah I'll, i'll eat something maybe tomorrow night in our first news story of the week, we've been waiting for this. AMD has officially announced the Radeon They're RX. an Intel Arc partner? No. 7800 <laughs> XT and 7700 XT. This happened after we did the podcast last week, kind of in between shows. You know, it's been nearly a year since the launch of RDNA 3. Can you believe that? No. Doesn't seem possible. A year? And, uh, it seems even less possible that... We're already now three years into RTX 3000 series, and they're uh, still being yeah. sold. Mm-hmm. They're still viable. Time flies when you're having fun. But no, it's finally the the the, the kind of true mid range versions of uh, 
of AMD's RDNA 3 lineup. And uh, they, they say now that the lineup is complete. Yeah, Herkelman so, said that uh, was it. There's no more silicon. RDNA yeah, 3 is complete. GRE. The GRE. But that's well, the GREs are just like slightly different versions of... I mean, there's no additional chips, I think is what no. Herkelman was saying. Sebastian, as you pointed out, the previous generation really filled the that mid-range hole for a lot longer than we've ever seen before either with the 6950 really plugging the gap nicely. And uh, if you found one, I don't think you're going to be disappointed, especially with the sort of closeout pricing that's been going on. We talked about that a yes. couple of weeks ago with the, if you wanted a 6950 XT, go get one because the pricing is right. They were going away. We've got another exactly. little story a little bit later. Yeah. Talks about another one. So the product stack is full as we've been saying that chasm between the 7600 and the 7900 xt believe it or not there was that much of a, a gap in the rdne 3 uh, product offering that's been filled but you know we're into that new mid-range where cards are more expensive than they used to be so mm-hmm. but this is a 1440 gaming gpu according to this slide the next generation of 1440p gaming gpus as chiplets Hit the mainstream. Yeah, it's got the four chiplets versus the six. Yeah. Plus, you know, obviously a smaller GPU tile in, in the middle. You know what they say about fewer chiplets? They cost there's less, less of them. Yeah, there's less of them. Also, a lower memory bandwidth, you know, less of the memory, things like that. So, I don't know. Look at that memory speed 19.5 gigabit. And, it's uh, fast. you know, it's. it's- oh, yeah. They cut the infinity cache by half, but they've increased the overall um, bandwidth to it as compared to like, you know, a a 6800 XT or a 6950 XT. Those had about double the the L2 or L3 or whatever you want to call it, the infinity cache. Look at total board power, by the way. It's pretty high. Yeah. So what what did the cards that they compared it to, the 7800 XT, they primarily compared it to a 4070 and the standard 6800, right? The RX 6800. Kind of. I was seeing a lot of 2070 it. Super in their marketing, actually. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for the 7700 XT, I think that was part of it. Okay. And, yeah, uh, that makes more sense, I guess. Could yeah. the marketing have been aimed at those looking to upgrade but not willing to pay NVIDIA's latest tax on the, what might be a natural progression for them and maybe trying to woo? Okay, hold on. What do you mean NVIDIA users? tax? Look at the pricing here. The 7800 XT is 499 so that exactly okay. matches a 4060 right, Ti 16 gig. Fair enough. And then the RTX 7700 XT... Bizarrely, only fifty dollars less at four forty nine. I was thinking that was going to be three ninety nine. So now we have a two hundred sixty nine dollar card that can often be found for less. Then it jumps up to four forty nine. That's a pretty big gap, even between the seventy six hundred and the seventy seven hundred XT now. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is coming out yeah, September six. Yeah, the pricing's yeah. a little odd on it, but it it does give their board partners some leeway in uh, adjusting where that is, especially the 7700 XT. I mean, they set that a little higher than you'd kind of expect. And uh, that, uh, again, you know, you'll see specials of, of 419 now and then, and, you know, eventually it'll go down to 399 and, and they'll still be making money on it. So that's a good thing. But, 
yeah, at the beginning, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, to purchase a 7700 XT when you can get a, a significant amount of performance by jumping up that extra 50 bucks and uh, four more gigs of memory. And uh, supposedly, uh, stock should be really, really good on these upon release. So this may be one of the latest uh, video card releases where people are actually going to go out and buy them and be able to. So it's going to be interesting to uh, to hear kind of feet on the ground, you know, how many are available, what's going out the door, if there are people waiting in line. I don't, I don't know if we'll see that. Like the 4090 release was probably the last one I saw where people really took the time to wait in line mm. because that one actually made sense for the yeah. money. Let's look at that press deck. You're talking about some of the comparisons they made because we don't have, obviously, any numbers to share at this point let's see they had some slides gamers need an upgrade and it's showing the 2070 super and the 5700 xt so apparently those are the cards that are in gamers hands right now if they're 1440p max settings enthusiasts according to amd and then mm. of course the next generation with these cards the upgrade you waited for over 60 FPS in the latest game. So there's the 2070 Super, 5700 XT is now joined by the 7700 XT and 7800 XT mm-hmm. on these charts. And I, I get what they're saying. It's like, yeah. you know, you've been waiting a long time for an upgrade. Well, here they are. And they're, you know, at a much more affordable price than our competition for that level of performance. I just want to remind everybody that the 5700 XT is pretty much a 1080 Ti. Yeah. Yes, same exact yeah. performance level, correct. Yeah, so people who waited from the 1080 Ti era, now's, now might be your time. Now's your chance. <laughs> they should have put the 1080 Ti on this chart. Like, hey, I, 1080 I Ti, agree with you. <laughs> yes. this is your card. 7800 XT, 16 I gigs of w- memory. <laughs> I think they would have been talking to a slightly larger audience. They have a graphic comparing the 4060 Ti 16 gig to the 7700 XT, which only has 12 gigabytes. However, 60 plus average FPS, native 1440p max settings, it has a significant advantage in the game's tested. It doesn't matter. It's only got 12 gigs. <laughs> 12 gigs is enough. <laughs> 10 or 11 is probably the minimum now. Do you remember when 11 was enough to ATI? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that it had 11 gigs. It's a strange yeah. number. Yes, okay. it, was. it was. It is yeah. weird. Yeah. It's a strange time. I saw a video recently that said 32 gigs of DDR5 was no longer enough, and the minimum was 64 now. Oh, please. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's oh, just for Chrome. That's just for, yeah, exactly. It's just in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the modern browsing era, you're right. <laughs> you got your you got your 49-inch ultra-wide, and you just have Chrome tabs for days. Across. <laughs> I had one of my coworkers come in to me two days ago saying my laptop's going really slow and I went into his office to take a look and I swear he had 30 or 40 Chrome tabs open. I was like, man, what are you doing? It's a laptop. It's kind of like, and then you open up task manager and realize it hadn't been rebooted in 38 days. Oh yeah. You just close the laptop and it goes to sleep. That's years at a time of that stuff. I, I challenge the industry to come up with a different paradigm versus tabs. I don't know what the right paradigm is, but maybe we need something different. Well, people don't use bookmarks anymore. They just have all the tabs open that they've ever opened. Mm-hmm. So just that group. Tab. 
New tab. New tab. You can just you can you can do a tab group and open them all at once. It's you know we've got some. What if it's a tab? There were small mm. little boxes that ran independently all over your desktop. Hmm. <laughs> Each one like its own little website or application. Weird. We finally have more news about FSR three with three. what AMD calls fluid motion frames. That's their answer to DLSS three with frame generation. Mm-hmm. They showed some sort of a mock-up of this technology to media way back in November of 2022. They are still not ready to release this. They're showing here in this press deck, showing that it goes from 36 frames per second at 4K ultra high with ray tracing to 122 with FSR3 at performance mode and fluid motion frames being added. They have their anti-lag technology to help mitigate the additional uh, and that would be incredibly impressive if it happens when you're not just staring at something and you're actually moving around because mm-hmm. that's a huge jump look it's literally doubling this seems it. a little more 64 to 106 yeah so it's coming soon it's coming soon to immortals and forspoken i think they said hmm. that it's it's kind of up and down the uh well, there's a few of them the product uh, uh, line that uh, supports it, and even uh, if you, um, you know, it, if Nvidia wants to, they they can support it too. They're they're kind of releasing a lot of this open source stuff. They just say that your GPU just has to have the performance to be able to to do it. So seventy six hundred and above. Good that the AMD is continuing with that. Yeah, isn't it interesting how every kind of uh, evolutionary leap in performance requires a mitigation strategy right after that leap is made, like ray tracing Kinda, or frame yeah. generation. Or uh, yeah, yeah, it's like I don't know well, why would you even then, turn off. We need to fix anti lag. I don't uh, know. I don't. Why? Why isn't that just? Does it cause issues with some titles? I don't know, but I don't think it's available on all titles either. Mm. Hmm. And it's something that's it goes hand in hand with the games that support uh, frame generation on the NVIDIA side. You get anti-lag. I don't think they want people using frame generation without anti-lag necessarily. Ah, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, look, this slide deck that I got was actually from before they had priced them. <laughs> so I was looking at these like, Oops. oh, it's going to be $3.99 to $4.99. I just filled that in myself right now. <laughs> By the way, related story. Look at these vendors down here. I don't know if you notice anything. Is, is there somebody I, missing down there? I notice. I notice an absence. What's what say is you it about Microstar that? International? Oh it, my indeed, goodness! Indeed, it is Microstar International. As I desperately try to pull up the story at VideoCards.com, and it says MSI might again be late to launch new RTX 7000 GPUs. It's not listed as a launch partner, though they were slow. With the 7900 series as well. What's the one that's impossible to read under Gigabyte and beside XFX? I don't know. It's in... Uh, I don't recognize that one. Well, I don't recognize Yeston either, but that's obviously a overseas one. Yeston these... has the really colorful cards. Yeah. Like with waifus on them. In person. Some. And Biostar is getting into it, which is amusing. I Again, probably not in North America, but... Why are they showing the 7600? Oh, they're showing that the last time they weren't on the list either. No, they were on the list. Never mind. They were on the list. Maybe that so, was the last one they did. Yeah, the 7600 well, launch, they were on the list. All right. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, just an oddity. They could just be. There's behind. no Asrock either. So, nope. well, hey, oh, they're, that's true. they're all in on Intel now. Asrock is your Maybe. Intel. Well, that and and uh, Sparkle. And Sparkle's, Sparkle, yeah. Sparkle's Intel. Yeah. Who else is Acer? Intel? Yep, Acer Predator. I don't know if they have any AMD cards. I like how Yeston is a high line now. You know, got to pull in those. Hey, waifus are popular. Crazy looking waifus, yeah. And we've bemoaned how graphics cards have gotten ugly over the years ourselves. I mean, who doesn't miss Ruby? <laughs> mm, Ruby. Speaking of MicroStar International. What do you have there? This is my hey, RX 480. Oh, Remember when the RX 480 was a motherboard and not a graphics card? <laughs> it was yes. ATI's Ooh. first PCI Express chipset. Yeah. Their South mm-hmm. Bridges were so terrible. Oh, yeah. Isn't that kind of the story? Like the history of AMD. Great processors, bad chipsets. Chipsets eventually get mm-hmm. better. Then, then they, they move to a new process. And then the chipsets <laughs> need work. Or, and, yeah. 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 It's their version of TikTok. <laughs> Wait, the video it's, it's, sharing it's service or walls. Intel's cadence that they don't do anymore? I, yes. I think he's going with the cadence thing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of MSI, since I'm, I put this shelf in and it has a lot of my junk on it, That's I usually have it off camera, but I'm it's now right here on camera, so you can see me grab mm-hmm. stuff off of it. And I have another MSI main board here, and I don't even know what this one is. I know that it's new in the box. Is there a tag on the side? It is the K7N2 Delta ILSR. That, that's, uh, that's, that's an Enforce, too. With, with yeah, NVIDIA chipset. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that, you know, the Enforce 1 was, was not good, but boy, that Enforce 2, that, 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 oh. that was a Oops. wonderful thing for, for old AMD. Careful. Ah. You're going to lose your install CDs. Watch out. The stuff. Jeez, you're never going to find those. <laughs> it's time for mandatory ARC coverage, and we're going to stick with videocards.com here. Intel's next-gen ARC Battle Mage GPU, that's BMG-G10, <coughs> reportedly already in the labs. They're testing it. They're working out the bugs. They're, they're you know, pumping up the clocks or whatever it is that they do. There was recently a tech tour, and Hardware Lux, which took part in this tour, found a BMG G10 chip tray at a failure analysis lab. The Mm. name clearly confirms that this is the next-generation Battle Mage discrete processor, now seemingly confirmed as G10. Unfortunately, media was not allowed to take any photos, so we must take their word for it. There's a quote from Andreas Schilling from Hardware Lux, but you can read about this. Uh, either on your screen or at videocards.com or at hardware locks. G10. <laughs> well, good for them. I'm glad yes. that they got it in the labs. That usually means about yes. a year from now we'll we'll see we'll see actual product on the shelves. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It says Q, early Q2, enabling was Q1 2024. And then Q2 where they're supposed to be, you know, using up a uh, very miserly 225 watts by then. Yeah. yeah. Hardly registers. Five watts less than AMD. Technology they'll be using for that. Well, if it's if it's early t- Q2 24, right? I was expecting more now next year, but I'll take early Q2. Yeah. yeah. 
Starfield. It's coming. It's Don't exciting. It's coming right around the same time as the new Radeon cards, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. They're bundling them. They're bundling mm-hmm. the game and the cards mm-hmm. or the cards with the game. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But speaking of bundles, Starfield bundles. They're hot right now. And hot. I think it was QuakeCon. had some kind of hot and not just hot. Gamescom. Not, ga- not QuakeCon. Gamescom. Gamescom. Mm-hmm. They had 500 of these bundles. Well, apparently only 499 because one of them is on eBay and it's already going for some pretty silly money. Oh, with, gosh. That is silly. <laughs> with five days and 19 hours left, this auction, which benefits a charity. 42 bids? Wow. I yeah. thought that dollar figure was a part number there for a minute. But no, it's $3,650 plus forty five ninety nine standard, not mm-hmm. expedited shipping. If you want expedited, oh. you got to pay. I pay more for that, mm-hmm. but it's the XTX along with a oh, it's the 3D V cache. Which processor is this? The 7800 X3D. Look at that combo. I know that's it's just sweet. incredible. And yeah. then the game code, I'm assuming. Yeah. Or Can't is that a Ryzen that. SSD yeah. they just tossed in there? No. Oh, and GPU cables to oh, match. Look how colorful GPU cables. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fancy. Uh, is it worth thirty six fifty? And you know you can't win it for Very that. Says. Gonna have to bid it up some more. No. Yeah. Well, it's gotten forty two yeah. bids. So. <sighs> yeah. For how much? Someone's gonna win it. <laughs> Somebody. Do you remember is. back in the good old days when AMD just made bikes? <laughs> True. I do. I remember that. Didn't Steve make a video about that? Yeah, he, he sure it. did. Unrelated completely to that bundle story. AMD warns of fake Radeon Starfield GPU giveaways. Now, giveaways, they didn't say they warned of fake eBay auctions. But Mark Tyson reports here at Tom's Hardware. The irresistible lure. Look at the art direction. Hey, they got a little rainbow going. Of this. Striping. Just a few little highlights to just kind of bring that outer space feel. And they're in those muted tones, make it look lived in, you know, that kind of Mm. uh, George Lucas envisioned the future in space. Not everything's just shiny and new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So several, several Star Wars uh, aliens type movies really brought that to the forefront in the seventies. Yeah. Hmm. So apparently the indie Kings giveaway on social media is fake. Oh no. You know, some of those side details look great, but that one, that looks like a, graphics card made by fisher price yeah yeah it does along with the red what's up with the red teeth on the pci express i that's think that's photoshop that's how you know it's they've replaced card. the uh the gold with copper wait no oh, it's this it is, is red it is red this is my um the oh, official God. card is red well look look at the bottom look at the bottom picture it there you go looks oh, well is yeah. it a reflection yes yeah, Mm, it's got looks a red kind of reddish. To it. Doesn't look gold. Yeah. Doesn't look. If only they could unbox this you, thing. Could you go back to that other picture? I just need to one up. What, the right fake there. one? Down. No, down one. I'm just oh, wondering can, if they're propellant. Analyze this picture some more. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if their propellant ever needs to be refilled. There's a graphics booster propellant uh, stage in the upper left hand corner of this. And I'm just curious whether you ever need to put any more in or whether it's a lifetime yeah, supply. It's, it's, uh, it's a butane. Well, Thing, you know those butane mm. okay replaced. yeah you, uh, well, I see there's nothing better than butane mm. in your mm. computer case okay yeah. although i'm very you know, disappointed we've not there's seen no, a... no step decal on there 
there should be no step. <laughs> nice. I Good think call. that's great because we've not seen a butane powered uh, graphics card since the 680. Yeah. The GTX 680. Wait, I thought that was the GCX 480. Yep. That too. That was the first Fermi and it was so hot. Hot. That's hot. <laughs> so, so hot. hot. In our next story, I think we've seen something about this in the past, but I think mm-hmm. it's Asus that has the GPU power connector on certain motherboards. Their goal is to eliminate cables forever, deliver more than 600 watts. So no more 12 volt high power issues. As long as you're willing to get a proprietary card that only works with certain motherboards, all of your cabling power delivery connector well, it's a 600 issues. 600 watt are- card, Sebastian. Right. I That's thought for sure you were going to say. I thought for sure you were going to say power shenanigans, but I'm glad you didn't. No, no, no. There. Okay. We, we beat that up in the beginning. I think this okay. is a great idea yeah. because this is really the evolution of PCI Express. Should have been PCIe Pro, just like AGP Pro back in the day. We had the extra connector for more power. Well, it just it kind of got out of hand. We we're just connecting basically an entire PSU's worth of power to one graphics card, one expansion card. It's crazy. Yep. Have well, all of those high current s- flowing through the entire motherboard at all times. <laughs> Yes, the traces can handle it. Uh, for those uh, listening, this is a uh, another set of uh, card fingers that are in line with the uh, 16x slot for power delivery only. Supposedly, they appear to be Maybe isolated from it. There's quite a gap between the by yes. 16 slot and the HPCE connector slot, which looks like a by four PCIe kind of, but more robust. Yeah, definitely. The uh, detail that I uh, read recently was that this isn't actually new it's been used in uh what's called hpce it's a standard that the server industry has been using for quite a quite a while really so they actually borrowed it from server space if not the exact spacing and and card edge at least the concept it was called hpce so this is sort of a a, a this problem has been solved you know previously why are we dealing with all these wires and uh, I think they just sort of borrowed it, maybe modified it a little bit, uh, but that's where that this idea came from. Hmm. Well, and we all love the price of server boards because they're nice and cheap. Or wait, oh, mm-hmm. hey, they have certainly. more. They have more layers. They're they're tough. They're built tough. Wait, this is a tough board, especially the Asus ones. <laughs> I think this was just sort of a hey, this is a theoretical thing we can do, and if a lot of people love it, then we might. Convince the it. server guys to, you know. Yeah. How, how yeah, do you get adoption? Okay, you're, you're kind of forgetting one other thing. You still right. have to plug cables into the motherboard that will provide the extra juice. Yeah, but they're True. probably the correct 8-pin PCIe cables. So at least this mm. way, mm. your no, RTX it's the, it's card has no, has no 12-volt high It's a very high. It goes into your motherboard beside the ATX power now. <laughs> The ATX no, power just plugs directly into the back of the graphics card now. <laughs> yes, we're, we're yeah. getting there. And then the graphics yeah. card power passes through to the motherboard. Maybe that's how it works. <laughs> oh, uh, YouTube chat notes that uh, workstation motherboards are actually cheaper than X670 eBoards. Oh, that was Ooh, fair. Low blow. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> What generation of workstation board, though? Like, I can get you a hey. Ivy Bridge e-board real cheap. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. 
You ever wonder where those systems that seem to know way too much about you get their information? Data brokers are pulling that intel and knowledge about you from public sources and all kinds of social media systems that you interact with. Then they're aggregating it and selling it out to other agencies. You and your information are now the product. This includes your relationships, relatives, or other connections, your job history, birthdays, past and current physical mailing addresses, or even phone numbers. It's all out there. It's a difficult task to gain some control over this personal info. The Delete Me service is set up to help you with just that, on the lighter side of the web anyway. Delete Me had given me their system a run through to see how it worked. After gathering my personal information to seed their inquiries, Delete Me contacted over 40 separate data brokers to locate my records and then make removal requests on my behalf. In order to operate, those data brokers need to provide that mechanism, but they don't always make it easy to do. Delete Me works on your behalf, saving hours of finding the forms and properly composing the requests to get you removed from those data broker systems, obviously freeing up time and energy to do way better things. I had a few questions after my first report was generated and contacted Delete Me. I I appreciated the fast responses to my requests for further investigation on removing my personal data with several brokers they were researching. Decide that data privacy is also important to you and take steps to clearing out your personal data using Delete Me. Now get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom PCP and use promo code PCP20. The way to get 20% off is to go to joindeletemecom PCP and use promo code PCP20 at checkout. That's joindeletemecom PCP, promo code PCP20. We're back, and it's time for Security Corner. And we're going to begin with a story from our friends at Bleeping Computer. Good riddance to Quackbot. Is it Quackbot? Cackbot? Q-A-K. Q-Bot? Pink Slip Bot? Hmm. Okay. Call it what you want. What? It gone. Really? It's dead. We're talking about something that has been plaguing the internet for the last two and a bit years. And it is a freaking nasty piece of software because usually it, it didn't do anything to your machine other than give a backdoor in. And one of the brilliant things that they did was ensure that it only ever ran in memory. So there was no way for antivirus to detect it and it could disappear if it did even think it was being seen. It was all handled through command and control uh, systems, which apparently once they, the FBI broke it down because, hey, Thumbs up for the FBI on this one. Uh, they broke it down. There were three different levels of command and control servers. And so the FBI managed to get a hold of some, a couple of people that were involved in the organization that were doing this and making like millions and millions of dollars every year because they would infect a machine and then say, hey, I've got a thousand machines over here that you can infect because I've got a backdoor into them. How much are you going to pay me to get access to them? And that's literally what they did. So the FBI managed to crack some people. They got the encryption cracked and they went in through the level one uh, servers into the level two and into level three, which are the ones which really are distributing the software and injected their own version of CACBOT, which killed any running CACBOT process on any machine. And we're talking almost a million infected machines. In fact, at some points there probably were over a million that were infected. Uh, but, you know, a reboot and a BIOS update, and you'll clear it up, maybe. Like it's Ars Technica goes into a, a good history of it, so does Bleeping Computer, uh, if you, you really want to sort of look at, back at what's been going on. But the thing is that what they did was infect the machine with a positive virus, a, a vaccine, if you will, that just went out, and anytime any other machine checked in back to the command servers, immediately killed CACBOT. 
they shared all of the IP addresses and a bunch of machine names uh, with Have I Been Pwned and a couple of other sites. So if you're curious if you might have been infected and they didn't bother to call you because they only tended to call like the major corporations and that, I mean, it's the FBI, you can't ask for everything now. Uh, but yeah, Have I Been Pwned and a couple others will tell you whether or not yours was one of the machines that was infected. But the good news is you're not anymore. This thing is dead. And it's not the first time the FBI has done that. There's been a couple of previous ones. They've pulled essentially the same trick. And it's really nice to see that even in this day and age where stuff mutates so quickly and you've got so many bad actors behind the scenes that are propped up by so much money to keep developing more and more nasty stuff that occasionally the good guys win. Next, we will look at QuickBooks and the case of the not before root certificates. This sounds exciting. Oh, it is, and uh, very easy to explain as well. Um, so bench, basically the idea is that root certificates are a very important part of security. And so you don't want them to just sort of lapse because, hey, someone could have got a hold of a root certificate from like 2016, 2017, uh, which is expired, and then made it look like it's a brand new certificate. And so that was one of the things that Microsoft sort of did was to say that this certificate is good before a certain time, but if it's signed after that time, then, you know, it's totally in horror. It's, it's a fake. We did not do a brand new certificate from like 2019. It says it's from 2022. It's a ripoff, but the thing is that eventually you kind of want those certificates to die off uh sort of the this certificate is good but not before this time as well as not after this time and so microsoft just decided to sort of do that uh they changed the trust of a 2019 certificate from symantec who totally wasn't caught you know with like hundreds of thousands of improper certificates being issued about that time and they had a huge bunch of huge things happen to them and a, to a lot of others. So essentially what they said is any certificate issued before 2019, no longer acceptable, except thing is Microsoft didn't like that. So they, they just kept doing it because they've got a lot of customers with legacy software and trying to get corporations to upgrade from something that worked perfectly well in 2017 and still sort of works well in 2023. Well, hell no, we're not going to pay to upgrade that. And so that is where Microsoft's decision to adopt this not before certificate came out. It was QuickBooks. It was a couple of other, you know, programs used by corporations that have not been updated. And so by when Microsoft recently decided that that's it, we're going to get rid of these uh, 2019 certificates, they found out there's a huge list of, of uh, software that all depends on these ancient certificates and has never been updated since. And so by doing that, boom, you had entire corporations losing QuickBooks and a bigger accounting software than that. It was just that was sort of the, the major one that sort of stuck, stood out. They have since, of course, reversed course and uh, are going to 
uh, they already have reinstated the certificates. But the thing is that th- this all comes about because Symantec screwed up so bad that Google essentially said, if any site is signed by Symantec, if that's what the root cert is, we're not going to let Chrome load it. That's it. No, Chrome is just going to kick it out and say, no, this is a bad cert, and we're not even going to let you go through advanced and load it. Because there were good reasons for this. You'd have to look into the, 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 the history of this, and I'm sure Brett has a little bit of that as well. But yeah, so Microsoft <laughs> decided to catch up and realize that, oh, yeah, we should have updated some things first before we did that. Uh, was that a decent... Explaining certificates is annoying. It is, especially timing and this this weird hack they put in for before dates. And then there was all this legacy support from Microsoft's own browsers that were still accepting these should have been long expired certificates. Yeah. And it, it they set themselves up to be the last people holding the bag, so to speak, because you talk about Google had already taken the steps, the ultimatum to say, we aren't going to accept anything from this period of time. But the... Uh, the corporations were able to launch some versions of IE or Microsoft browsers that still allowed it. Uh, So it sort of gave them the uh, veneer of we're the good guys in this where we still allow your apps to run when meanwhile, they're doing something stupid, which come to think of it, that sort of thought process really uh, permeates a lot of things that Microsoft does. It's you think what we're doing is smart and helpful, but it's really stupid. But it's just we've got a bunch of lazy people that don't want to update anything Mm. or don't want to pay to update it, so we have to support them. And that's where half your security problems come from. Now, you want to take the last one? Sure. Sure. Feel-good story. The the, the feel-good story to finish the security sandwich? Not. Oh, go ahead. You can do the announce. No, you go ahead. Oh, so this is a story about not all hackers are always evil. This is a story of benevolent hackers to clear a company uh, of the knowledge of uh, over 75,000 users' phones. We all walk around with these fantastic devices that, unfortunately, we install random software on occasionally. Um, I know that uh, the two major manufacturers, Apple and Google, try and prevent a lot of that stuff from sneaking through with some varying degrees of success. Occasionally, hacking and spyware software makes it onto particular phones and devices and things like that, sometimes due to oversights. So there was this company called Web Detective. Um, Hackers gained access to the Web Detective servers, discovered what was going on inside this web detective space and how they had this device profile information from a lot of people who clearly did not opt into being spied on by web detective and the the ride along software so they they uh, basically rolled road roughshod over the services of the web detective spyware team and made sure to kill over 75,000 end users devices off uh, device identifiers off of their system and saved those users from being further spied upon. So mm-hmm. not all hackers are inherently evil. Good for them. They hacked They hacked the spywork team and made good. Isn't that a white hat? Yes. yes. It is. It is, but I don't sort think of. that this particular team that did it are specifically white hat hackers. I think they just were taking advantage of an opportunity they saw 
they were presented with, oh, we've now gained access to this group. Oh, there's the web detective team. Oh, you know what? They're actually doing something that's kind of scummy. Let's actually do everybody a good turn here and uh, wiped out their ability to spy on people. They're gray Jedi. Mm, I would Anti-heroes. say heroes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you guys remember X10 from the 90s? Mm-hmm. This, the, All the, the home control automation stuff. Yeah, the home automation. Yeah, the control yep. system. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of these guys cut their teeth on on those systems because they were. Well, they weren't the whistling point. into a phone. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Captain so Crunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic. Phone so, freak. Yeah, that would be what they cut their teeth on was home automation. Uh, probably the first monitoring cameras. Pokemon, Sir uh, Beanie no. from Discord basically says it's still an illegal act. Black hat. I would agree. This was illegal for yeah, them to do no, this sort of wrong. thing. They broke into another third party information system and wiped out code, uh, data. And, uh, even if it was illicitly gained, still illegal. Yep. I, I, I'd say that these guys did a good turn, but they're definitely not the good guys. I, how would you classify this? Would this be an act of an alignment? I mean, would this be lawful? No, not lawful. It'd be ca- neutral. Yeah. Lawful, neutral, chaotic, chaotic, neutral. chaotic good, chaotic, chaotic, chaotic neutral, nah. I would say. Okay. Well, it depends. Did they take anything else where they were there? You know what? That didn't come out in That's the article. That's the difference between and... chaotic good and chaotic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to gaming quick hits. And first up, we have a story about Space Marine 2. Yes, which is full of quick hits. It, it looks very much like the first version, but uh, a little bit more polished even more so than the the fancy remaster they gave us for free. And this time it looks like it's Tyranids and possibly chaos you're fighting as opposed to a bunch of orcs. But the same sort of arena combat where you walk into a an area, you have to fight off hordes and hordes and hordes of monsters and then do some things. Uh, the, the gameplay trailer had a lot more uh, asset destruction, which was interesting. It didn't look like it added a lot to actual gameplay but i mean if you're blasting away and you happen to hit a couple of statues it's more impressive when the statues fall down than if they just sort of get a little bullet hole on them this could have changed because uh as part of what i had a chance to watch they were actually moving there was a cut scene where you were moving stuff around to be able to make a new path but yeah if, if you're into this sort of game and you just want something that requires no brains just a lot of hacking and smashing hey it's a lot of fun, or at least it looks like slow mo blood spattering. <laughs> oh, like eighty-seven different death animations for everything. Yeah, some people like that sort of thing. But now for something completely different. Some people also like uh, padding their Steam library because you never know when you're going to be stranded somewhere, and all you have is your Steam drive, a PC, yep. and unlimited time. Yep. And yep. <laughs> to that end, the Steam Strategy Fest, August 28th through September 4, it's going on right now. Now, now, now. Right now. Hmm. What does it involve? So now you've got to think. There's no hacking and slashing. You've got to pay attention and think of your grand strategy. Real time. So card card games are very popular translated into online. So there's going to be some great card games in there. Um, 
the real-time strategy also, and as Josh was saying, tower defense, which is always good for burning up a, an hour waiting at the doctor's office <laughs> or wherever. Oh, what do you got? What's going on there? If I hover over it, it, it pops up with some kind of garbled Ooh, video. I, see that. I think it's supposed to be a video. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not doing it's not the a video. video thing. There's something something's nope. terribly wrong here. Terribly something's not oh, terribly wrong. Then it clears up. To wait. If you give it enough time, it goes from uh, 1980s Nintendo's burnout <laughs> it's like to before uh, blowing on the cartridge to after blowing. Uh, on the cartridge. Yeah, that is definitely what we would call an off by one error in video decoding. Yeah, there's something yes. wrong with this laptop in general. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? A, a thin and light uh, zero laptop zero with an eighth gen uh, Core i7 would have trouble with like 100 megabit per second. Uh, 4K was that video. Uh, 320, 320 by 240 video? Was that what that no, was? No, I'm trying to. I was. I have a video to play later. I I'm not finished editing, but I have a review video coming of that frag box, and I just exported what I had this morning and just said review in progress. You know, .mov, and I just picked H.264 high. Mm-hmm. It ended up being over 100 megabits per second, and this laptop can barely play it. So we'll see what happens. I'll fix it in post. All right, let's go on to the next. Mm-hmm. Where is the next link? So the previous story was about strategy time, steam fest time. This is a different time. It's buying time. Okay, so via Engadget, Sony is jacking up annual PlayStation Plus plans by as much as forty United States dollars. So buy now, buy as many years as you can, as fast as you can. If you care. Before, yes. If you're into this sort of thing, buy your subscription right now before prices go up. Well, hey, Microsoft did it, so now Sony's going to do it. (laughs) So up to an eight, uh, potentially $80 per year, you know, from obviously from 60 or 35 to 135. Woohoo. And then bizarrely, an actual PC hardware story amidst the gaming quick hits. I'm not sure what happened here, but AMD has reportedly halted production of the RX 6650 <gasps> XT. Oh, no. Say it isn't so. Who would have thought with the 7600 on the market that they wouldn't be prioritizing a previous-gen product that was kind of... What was the 6650 XT? It was kind of the answer to something in the NVIDIA product stack, or I don't know what. It came along late. We it's got... A- and reviewed the 6600 and 6600 XT. I never got a 6650 XT or a 6750 XT for that matter. It's gone now, though. It's too late. Prices ought to be good yeah, for a little while. You want one? It's useless in, in the market right now. Yeah. yeah it's not got enough what? VRAM. That's the problem. No. Who cares about yeah. 8 gigabytes of VRAM? <sighs> no one. We have reached the reviews portion of this week's podcast, and Jeremy's going to tell us about his adventures with the Epos Impact 1060, a business headset, not a gaming headset. You don't see any red no. RGB ground effects. Well, funny you say that because the, the actual outside of it lights up red when you're on a call if you have that type of coworker around you. So it, it, it lets them know that, I just don't put this headset on because I want to ignore you. I'm also on a call, or at least faking it. Uh, but other than that, no, there is 
there is no ground effects. There is no anything to this. It is just literally designed for Teams, Zoom, whatever conferencing software that you're using. Uh, and, you know, a $300 price tag, it, it definitely does mean business. Honestly, what you're paying for a lot is the little stand that it comes on is a wireless, is a charger. So you plug that in with USB-C and it sits on here and it charges constantly. And it's just, you know, it's perfect executive design. This is, you know, for the C-level that really wants to be able to just sort of hang his headset on the corner of the desk. And it does actually look relatively nice that way. It gets cranky uh, if you try and switch audio sources because it is built for video conferencing. It is built for voice. It will certainly play YouTube in that, but you know, often you have to sort of fiddle with it to get it to drop off the original source. In fact, uh, if you're connected either through the USB-C or through the dongle that they come comes with and use the EPO software, uh, you get a lot of control over it and you can even do a focused mode where if it gets an audio source, it refuses to accept any other audio source. This is handy if you're working. You know, it can be annoying if you're gaming, but it's not a gaming headset. It is a working headset. It's quality. Uh, like I said, on uh, 736, you can hear me. We've often sort of tested headsets before a podcast and said, yeah, there's no way. Just, just get rid of it. It sounds awful. This one, yeah, it doesn't match up to some of the stuff that we use, like the Dark Matter or the HyperX. But do you really want to set up a, a full microphone on your work desk? That this, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, Artemis wanted to judge it a little bit. She didn't mind. <clears throat> judgy it. cat. Judgy. Yeah. Very judgy. The other thing that it does is for whatever reason, open office concept has taken off ridiculously. For though even now that they're forcing people to go back in the office for complete bullshit reasons, they are still remaining with open office. So what this has is, and I, I believe the, the, the peer on it says it samples the atmosphere, the uh, surrounding area about 30,000 times a second to manage its adaptive ANC. And this is the huge feature about it is that it does really good ANC. You could be sitting in a room full of a bunch of people and you get through whichever you're, uh, because they're ambidextrous. You can tell the software which side you like the boom on. Do you like it on the left or do you like it on the right? And whichever side the microphone is not on, you will get a little bit of the room noise. But that's it. So if you've got 18 different conversations going on around you in the open office, it doesn't affect you at all. You literally do not hear it going on other than to be aware that there's people around you. And because it's so good... get your own voice back at whatever level you would like because oh, oh, I hit a button. The last thing I heard was because it's so good. And then I muted you accidentally. Sorry. Oh, uh, what was I saying? And because it's so good, uh, the, the ANC, uh, requires you to have a sideband, I think is where I was. So what that does is play your own voice back in your head, because if you are totally ANC'd, you might, become like a little bit loud. So it's good to be able to hear your own voice at a certain level. And so it's, it, and it 
can be sold in the in uh, the UK too because there are certain uh, countries in the EU and the UK where you're only allowed to have a certain to project a certain decibel level, and it will have it has a limiter on it, so you're you're totally cut off from being particularly loud to the person that's listening to you, and you can't hear anyone around you. Wait, there are laws against yelling at people. In the EU, yeah, uh, there is a a certain uh, decibel level (laughs) that you are allowed to have in a business context. Hmm. If you're gaming, well, then sort of all bets are off. They like to regulate all the things. Wow, really? Jeremy, somebody in the YouTube chat. Yeah. Jeremy, somebody in the YouTube chat asked if you could actually turn the I'm on a call light on while you're not on a call, actually. You don't know how to schedule a meeting with yourself? (laughs) because <laughs> that's well, really easy that, to do no, just, i think that's a, a fair now button <laughs> it's a fair it's a fair actually a fair response I'll, i'm gonna i'm yeah, gonna allow no, it you, you just get the meet now button and it, it's going again and you're good uh at least until they look mm-hmm. over on your screen and well then you bring mm-hmm. up you know what you're working on uh yeah, it's this the window you're sharing which is filled full of some spreadsheet exactly. numbers on it yeah mm-hmm. yeah so on the one hand it is brilliant for a big open office where you're having to deal with just amazing amounts of noise around you. That's really a lot more than a normal ANC can deal with because I mean, they're, they're expecting cars or they're expecting, you know, one conversation. So they're really good at that or muting the airplane noise. These are actually designed to handle a whole bunch of different voices. And yeah, I brought them into work and I have some very loud coworkers that, like to just do meetings and it was like, no, they're gone. And because I'm not in the EU, I didn't put the voice limiter on, nor did I uh, put the sideband on. So I'm hoping that I was at least as loud as they were because I couldn't (laughs) hear them if they were complaining. The thing is 300 bucks. Yeah. You're paying for a wireless charger, which I think is a good chunk of it. And you're paying for some interesting stuff in there. Uh, I couldn't get, anything out of EPOS or, or Sennheiser. Uh, EPOS is owned by Sennheiser. Uh, about what is inside this that's actually doing the ANC. Uh, I did mention at one point, because I'm kind of old school, so when I'm screwing around with stuff, I bring up the old sound uh, controller. You know, the the it's called sound. It's not the weird Windows 10 and Windows 11 one. It's the ancient one from back in the day. And so I'd mentioned that it was actually having some weird audio effects when I did that. And one of the engineers got back to me and said that, hey, if you actually open up Windows audio settings, I didn't notice this. It forces open the mic path. So with this headset, it immediately goes from being uh, a stereo uh, A2DP it breaks into HSP or HFP. And so boom, now your wideband stereo is broken into two monos, one for the mic and one for the speaker. And they're not expecting you to do this because, well, they think you're a C-level who has never seen sound before. Change system sounds? What? Who? So there is some technology behind it. It definitely does what they say it does. But like, I can't see being able to deploy this to everyone because a $30 Jabra is good enough. But for C-levels, for, you know, the executive level that wants, you know, 
what is, you know, a very nice looking thing sitting on your desk uh, that also works really well and you don't have to hear the peons. I think it's a pretty decent thing. So yeah, I'm torn. I really like the implementation. I really like what they did with it, but I wish they could have done a little bit less and charged a little bit less because there's no way I could convince work to pay for this. Jeremy, will you continue to use them in your office? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, uh, the HS80s were great, um, but didn't do anything really except, you know, blow. Uh, the monoprice ones that I've been using up until now were really nice because they, they just did everything and they had a nice standby mode that they came back from instantaneously. So 60, 70 hours of battery life easily. It was like literally you just put them away and at the end on Friday, remember to plug them in. If you don't, well, they'll still work on Monday, but you should probably really plug them in on Monday. These ones, yeah, it's so much better audio quality. Uh, the voice is great. It gets a little bit cranky with the new teams, but I'm blaming that on new teams because uh, it works <laughs> fine on old teams. Uh, but yeah, if you can, if you can get convince someone to buy them for you and you're stuck in a place where you've got a lot of people talking around you, this is, this is pretty decent and it looks fanky, swanky too. All right. Nice. Thank you. And of course that's on pcpro.com if you want to read more about the headset and something that will be on our YouTube channel soon, uh, hopefully by the end of the week is a video review of the frag box, the return of the frag box. If you're not familiar with what that is, I have uh, some of my in progress video to display on the screen right now. Let us see. And it is somewhat reminiscent of those Igloo Playmate coolers. It's it's fairly small. It's bigger than oh, a shoebox. Not much bigger than a shoebox. It's the frag box. It is a compact desktop PC, as it says on the screen with the same specs as a mid-tower, and it's in this enclosure that has an integrated handle. Now, if you go all the way back 20 years of computer history here, 2003, the frag box was introduced. backlighting. Isn't that great? That's the yeah. Gen 2. So the Gen 2, they worked with Silverstone. They created this unique enclosure design, and it was using standard components. The first generation used specialized components. They only had a couple configurations. The second gen was based on a micro ATX motherboard, full ATX power supply, PCI Express graphics. Uh, you could get it outfitted like uh, Gordon's system here at Maximum PC, a Pentium 4 560 Prescott. Get excited. But the 2023, Wait, yeah. as you can see, the one that they sent us, it's nuts. It's a 13900KS and a 4090, 64 gigabytes of DDR5, 6000, two terabyte SSD, that 1000 watt platinum SFXL power supply from Silverstone. Whoa. This is the upgraded one, the SX1000R that has the uh, 12 volt high power connection on the back. 280 millimeter. PC is never going to be able to review it. So how are we going to know nice. how it goes? Nice. <laughs> hey, but okay, Gordon's still out there and he does, you know, your review systems from time to time. I wonder if he's gotten a frag box yet. Probably. But I'm really interested to see this final review. I'm curious as to the kind of temperatures that, uh, the components will maintain in that enclosure. I guess you'll have to wait and see. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk briefly about thermals in this very review. 
which uh, I'm going to play some more of. So it has the same 280 millimeter liquid cooler as the Talon mid-tower desktop. But I know Kent can attest to the fact that a standard closed-loop cooler with a 13900KS, if you're only at 280 millimeters, probably not going to not keep it gonna from throttling. Do it. No. Yes. And that's that's just the unfortunate reality of that processor. I, I You can configure the frag box with any, you know, Intel or AMD current gen product. Ryzen 7000 series, Intel 13th gen. The 13900KS, what is it, like 360 watts under full load unless you put in some kind it's of power resistance? Yes. And they use high-end thermal paste. They have a big... Uh, cold plate on their custom, I think it's an Ace Tech design liquid cooler. They're using like Kingpin thermal paste and stuff. It's just not enough. You've got to delid these things if you don't want them to hit 100 degrees. And that's basically what my experience was. The graphics temperatures were great. The CPU hit 100 degrees under all core load. In balanced workloads, it was fine. But my point is, there is no way to run a 13900KS, even if you had a full tower enclosure. With a 360 millimeter rad sucking in air with an open front panel, if you're not delitting, it's going to hit 100 degrees under all core workloads. But because what if that's you have what a it's case that looks like a garbage do. can? The garbage can with fans on the top and the bottom. <sighs> this is and the thing is, this is using convection too, because it sucks in air from both sides and it exits the top. That's the thermal profile of this case. So anyway, here's the, here's the size of the case. It is 10 and a half inches wide, exactly. It's nine and a half inches tall, including the handle and feet. It's just over 16 inches deep, counting the protrusions in the back. And uh, there's a blank space here where I'm supposed to insert a photo of the weight because I couldn't get it on my camera. Uh, it's ventilated on both sides, as you can see. And the top is fully ventilated as well. And it has that integrated handle, which is a piece of extruded aluminum. There's a lot of... Oh, good. It's not plastic. It's very dense and strong, but once you start taking the panels off, you realize how light they are. Interesting bottom access panel, by the way, for bottom-mounted NVMe drives, if your motherboard has that. So you can see four slots, because this is micro-ATX. You get that fourth expansion slot. And... Here's uh, some video footage of a side panel. Let's get past this. Here's that top panel. So inside, on the GPU side, by default, there are two intake fans that draw in cool air. So even if you have a GPU that has a zero RPM idle fan, this is providing you with constant airflow. And there's the top-mounted radiator. Under the radiator, you can see... The system within, it's a micro-ATX board, pretty simple. You've got room for additional storage along the inside of the front panel there. Here's the diagram. You can have two two 2.5-inch drives, a a 3.5-inch drive, up to three M.2 drives. You can just fill this thing with storage. And, of course, they did a very nice job with managing everything on the inside. But this is not up to the standard of the Talon, where the Talon has the cable mod, custom cabling, and it's like an art piece. And of course, I go through the whole Falcon Northwest experience. You get all these extras. You get all the accessories that would have come with every single component had you put the system together yourself, all the cables, all the manuals and brackets. And what I really like is that they do their rescue drive. They use an imaging program. They give you a full system image of your 
system, how it left the building, and they give you your Windows 11 license if you want to do that too, and information about your stuff, a fancy desk mat. That's an upgrade from the mm. old uh, oh my mouse very, pad they used to give nice. you. And of course, I, I the hope mug, you can keep that one. The I hope coffee. You can keep that. Uh, okay, can, here can we go. You keep the desk pad. Can you keep the desk pad? I'm keeping the desk pad. I'm all right. I think I'm keeping the desk pad. Anyway, uh, here it is. <laughs> some of the information. Uh, we could watch Cinevent R23 in real time if we wanted to, but I'll skip ahead a little bit. Oh, it's fast. It's it fast. Very in real fast. time. Oh, look how fast it is. It's super fast. And final score of this course. run. 38,031. Oh, wow. Sweetness yeah. and light. Did a Blender Classroom uh, CPU cycles workload in two Ooh. minutes and 33-ish seconds. 3D Mark Speedway. Uh, if we skip to the results here, 10,000. Gen 4 SSD doing its thing. Uh, and then here we go, thermals. So I, I ran Cinebench in a loop and uh, almost immediately you're hitting 100 because it's a KS. It's pulling oh. over 300 watts. Well, here we are in a looped 3D Mark Speedway gaming test. So just to show you, it's still over 5 gigahertz. The GPU never went above 70C. And this was in a room that was between like 24 and 25C. And, you know, the deltas are great. It's just if you start running Blender workloads, or if you're exporting your, uh, you know, your video podcast or something, and it's using all the CPU cores, it's going to hit 100 degrees. And I watched that video that Intel did with Dr. Bauer about these CPUs and throttling and their thermal limits. And basically their attitude was, we designed these chips to basically push things to the absolute limit. That's why the 13900KS exists. Because it was a chip that's basically overclocked out of the box to hit 6 gigahertz on two cores, right? And it's... Completely irrational to have a desktop CPU that will draw 320 plus watts ever. And you can manually configure it down. I didn't mess with that. I I thought about doing that, but really this is you're you're buying the system configured this way. I don't think you'd want it to be configured to 125 watts or something like that. You want it to be the full power. And if you're just doing bursty workloads or gaming, you'd never see that. Yeah. But it doesn't really impact the performance. Yeah. It just it's ridiculously high package temps. The CPU cores were never exceeding 90C, but the package temps got to 100 uh, right away. You've got to toast marshmallows if, on the top of that thing. I wonder how it would react to one or two side panels removed during the, those all-core all load tests. It, it's not. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Not enough. Open, not enough. open test bed with the, 12, with the 13900KS and a 360 millimeter rad. Yeah. 100 degrees. Right away, every time it has yeah. nothing to do with that. Enclosure. Was that was what that was what I experienced on the the testing I did. Um, yeah, which is why Kent delitted the thing because you can play around with contact frames. Contact frame helped me a lot. It got me to like ninety four C instead of one hundred two, but it's not enough to. I mean, if you're worried about thermals, I just was trying to figure out a way that I could run these tests in such a way that it didn't throttle. But think back to the last time we had a really, really power hungry CPU that you could not run without throttling. It was that FX 90, 9590. Yeah. I could not figure out a way to test that without throttling. And it's, I mean, 
we've seen the results that you can get from deluding. Winter time here. It, it was say outside and winter in Michigan, maybe. Well, I was testing Wyoming. in a pretty cool or room. I borrowed Wyoming the, definitely. I borrowed from Ryan. He sent <laughs> over a box that had the ninety five ninety uh, kit in it and a fatality board from Azrock. Yep. To test the thing. And it was, I was looking at the task manager and the, it was go to four gigahertz and then drop to three and then go to four and drop to three. And it was just up and down and up and down. And that was just the behavior all the time. I could not consistently run the thing. I had that same combination. AMD had sent that. And uh, my, I, I think there was just so much variance between those chips that they were, you know, so bleeding edge that, uh, you know, mine kept right around four. I mean, it never really throttled down that I was able to notice. Are you monitoring the frequencies though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and, uh, and run after run, I mean, it, it did fine. And the, the, the temperatures didn't get horrible, but I think I had a really good, had a really good sample. Maybe. The only possible drawback to this frag box story is that like, you know, luxury vehicles, it's not the, it's not super cheap. This is anybody who's watching this is probably gonna say, Oh, I can build a system for, you know, thousand dollars less, whatever. It's very possible. You do pay a certain percentage to have other people build and configure it and support it for you for sure. And, but you're, you do not get this custom chassis separately. It's just not sold anywhere else. The frag box, I'm on the Intel side. By default, it comes with that 1000 watt power supply, Tough Gaming B760M plus Wi-Fi board, which is no slouch, by the way. This has Wi-Fi 6. It has USB 3.2 by 2. It it has everything you need for a MATX board. The default processor is a 13600K, which I think would be ideal for this enclosure. I don't think you need more than a 13600K if you're gaming. And if you want more CPU performance, get a 13700K. Or maybe even a 13900K. But even then, I think power limits, it's just not worth it. The 13600K is not going to hold you back. And it will save you $633 when you're configuring this system. So cooler that's standard uh, our system came with 64 gigs of ddr well it's a minimum now, you know the, yes, well, the minimum, the minimum is 32 you could slum it with 32 yeah i do appreciate their upgrade costs because if, if you look at some websites dell and you try to configure a system with an upgrade, you'd be amazed at how much they want to charge for some of these. And fifteen hundred extra dollars for a forty ninety is pretty reasonable. I mean, the one that this one shipped with was actually a uh, PNY Accelerate model that has a retail price of sixteen fifty. And you can get, of course, workstation cards in this uh, two or four terabytes of Gen four drives are available. Oh, and another great thing about these is. The warranty. It's three years parts and labor, but it's one year of overnight shipping service. So if anything happens within the first 12 months, overnight it to them, overnight it back to you. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah, that's... That's fantastic. How much would Dell charge 
for a year of overnight back and forth support. Uh, about the same as the three day, they just promise one day and then it'd turn out to be three days. And hmm. then the three day actually turns out to be, well, can you ship it to the a depot week. and yeah, we'll get it yeah. back. Well, we'll, we'll send yeah. somebody in three weeks. Mm. Yeah. The, the part it's, it's, you know, it's, it's stuck somewhere right now. Anyway, it's, it's not cheap, but if you've got, if you've got $5,000 burning a hole in your pocket, and you want that combination of components. If you want a 4090 and a 13900KS just for bragging rights to carry around with you as you rekindle the land party phenomenon, then this is for you. Or spend a lot less and get one with a 13600K and like a you know a lesser graphic card than a 4090 and you'll be just fine. But the frag box is just really cool. And I love how it's essentially the same design as the second gen frag box from 2004 just for a new generation let's move to picks of the week josh please get us started <sighs> you know maybe i'm like a broken record but it's just like deals i like deals on mid-range type stuff and this is a deal this is the uh not new but it's still pretty new the uh the acer uh a770 uh what is the name of it again it's the Acer Predator Bifrost R3770. 20 bucks off. It's already at $319.99. So it's $299.99. And you get the Intel Arc Gamer Days bundle 2023, a value of $75. Comes with two reasonable, you know, games. One of the latest uh Assassin's Creed, and then uh, I can't remember what the other one is, but also uh some productivity software that they throw in there that you can you can choose from so you know it's a unique design um a a blower and a regular fan i, I guess it it does okay it's it's interesting rgb uh it's it is a unique design they're trying something different and you know our cards are still nicely performing 16 gig cards good at ray tracing and all the other AV1 and, and the stuff that Intel has thrown into it. And now they have uh, a lot of uh, productivity support, productivity software support for their GPO. And it performs very, very well, according to Puget Labs. Yes. Uh, so if, if you're looking for a, you know, a really budget mid-range card, this is it's a good one. Jeremy, your pick. Well, it's an odd one, but it amuses me. So you get to deal with it. I visit a McDonald's maybe twice a year, maybe three times a year. But every time, can I get a McFlurry? No, no, I can't. It's broken. It's it's always broken. You've got a five-minute window, maybe once a week, where it actually works. And so uh, I fix it. Managed to get a hold of one. Uh, it, it's a company called Taylor that makes them. And just wanted to see what the heck is going on here. And so, well, it turns out two things. One, uh, Taylor Company's uh, agreement with McDonald's, at least one quarter of the money they make is from repair calls. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have no interest in making a less breakable version of it. But here's the weird thing that came out after they sort of tore it apart and looked. 
you would assume that it's an ice cream machine, right? So it takes ice cream and it just sort of pours it out. No. No, you dump ice cream mixture in it and it pasteurizes it overnight. So it is a boiler and a freezer in one unit. There's a reason that none of us have a, a boiler freezer unit at home because that is just a horrific idea because you, you are heating stuff components up constantly and then cooling them down. And so that seems to be what this whole thing is, is that the reason that all of these things break down is because, you know, Hey, and no, no, uh, not knocking anything about the McDonald's employees. You're not paid enough to, as you're doing 24 hour service to take apart a machine, completely clean it, make sure that nothing's heat stressed or cold stressed and put it back together again every day. It's just the whole bloody idea of why would you do something that overheats repeatedly and then cools repeatedly and has a whole bunch of error codes, which are basically on the, yeah, this one component got a little bit too hot or this one component got a little too cold. So you need to clean it and do a reset, but Hey, you're working for McDonald's. You're not making a lot of money and there are people screaming at you because you're not giving them their quarter pounder quick enough. So you and, just, and McFlurry. Yeah, yes. She is, the McFlurry is broken and <clears throat> done. And so, okay. I got to ask you in what world is yeah. 18 bucks an hour? Not a whole lot of money. Uh, well, I live that's in Vancouver, so yeah, you hiring. No. Although okay. good. Okay. I mean, that's not bad. Like no one makes enough money. Well, there's a small, <laughs> page, there's a small portion that make all the money. And then there's yeah. the rest of us that don't make enough money. See, I was going to say, I think hey, Zuck makes enough money, but yeah, well, and yeah, but the thing is that they make all the money and we just get whatever's left over. Sorry, billionaires are evil. You can't become billionaire without not doing a little bit of evil, even unknowingly. But yeah, it's just, there is no reason that this could not be fixed, except that there's a very sweet contract going on. And the DMCA says that, well, you can't buy one and fix it yourself. And it was just an interesting story of just the whole thing behind the, the right to repair and just why we design stupid stuff and then just stick with it. So anyways, that's my pick because I had nothing to go on and this annoyed me this week. Brett, your pick. Uh, I like combining a couple of uh, interesting observations and, and market forces at once here with this particular pick. And that's, you've got card slots on your ATX motherboard that are sitting there not doing anything. And that's a freaking shame. Also, NVMe storage has gotten ridiculously cheap. Josh usually tells us that every week with... So in one way or another, hey, you know what? But, the NVMe storage but, is ridiculously cheap right now. You can get four is, terabytes for two hundred and fifty bucks for a PCI four point Anyway, under you your you can next, get uh, <laughs> you can get two terabytes for around a hundred. Jeez. Ooh. So here's a way to kill both birds with one stone. It's a uh, reputable manufacturer, Sabrent. I think we could agree that that's a reasonable yeah. manufacturer for this sort of thing. And they have several different flavors of this device. And that's a way to turn your spare PCIe's by 16, by 8, by 4 uh, card slot into one or more NVMe slots. Fill them up with your extra NVMe drives. 
as you're yeah. moving in new ones when you're out of them. For goodness sakes, don't let your spare slots go to waste. Please, please fill it with NVMe storage. Now, Sebastian, if you click over to like the second or the third one, they even have a one that'll do a straight up uh, four, uh, four NVMe's. It's significantly more expensive than the $15 one that I was recommending. This one is at $143, full four on slot. Um, so there's there's E3. probably some ch- some chips. Well, of course, you can raid that. You can individually address them, okay. uh, do software raid oh. on them, uh, which would be really, really, really great. But the uh, next yeah. one over is a little more interesting. It's a bifurcation-capable uh, uh, card with up to four as well. So you could probably do some interesting things with this. And I know certain AMD boards may have just a few lanes that aren't doing anything. So here's a way for you to soak up those extra lanes and soak up those extra slots, just not doing anything. For goodness sakes, get up there and use up all the lanes, use up all the slots. Here's a way to do it. Now we need PCIe 5 compatible devices like Mm. this. Well, yeah. This, these are these are three and fours, I believe. I need to slate, shave that extra eighteen milliseconds off of uh, my boot time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, PCIe mm-hmm. Gen Five is not. Necessary. I don't see Gen Five making much of an impact. Gen is Four it, is gonna. It won't. Josh is is PCIe Five the Blu-ray of home <laughs> physical media? You're calling you, it. You're calling it. Uh, yeah. Because NVMe, yeah. just third gen, was so good when people finally got an NVMe drive. Yeah. And fourth so much gen was the 4K was Blu-ray the, of... Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Kent called it. Yeah. 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> and strangely enough, the PCIe 5 drives make the same noise as that 4K Blu-ray drive. Especially <laughs> mm. Top Gun 4K. Yeah. Kent, your pick this week. Yeah, so for many years, I've uh, been a holdout for the full keyboard with the uh, the full 10 key. I use the 10 key a lot. Um, but as I've been gaming over the last few years, I've noticed that as I've gotten into more uh, reactive games, I find myself smacking my mouse into the side of the keyboard quite often. Uh, So I've been looking at the new advanced uh, keyboards that are smaller form factors to give me a little more room for mousing. But I didn't want to give up that 10 key. And, uh, you know, thanks to Jeremy, I have noticed that, you know, there's actually some decent add-on 10 keys available now. And they're not very expensive. Uh, This one is from Amazon. It's uh, (laughs) uh, just... Right, right at twenty bucks. Did yeah, there's was waving one. something at the screen. Sorry, I had to. Ah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one I linked this week is twenty bucks from Amazon. It's got uh, brown switches. It doesn't really specify which. Oh, nice. Manufacturer of brown switches they are, but you know nice. they're still a tactile switch. Um, so fully mechanical USB C connection, uh, and it's cheap enough. So if you want to. Use that for when you're doing Excel or your weekly budget or whatever else you use the 10 key for and get a smaller form factor keyboard for gaming. That's a that's not a bad solution. All right. Well, I think that uh, it's time to say goodnight. 
And thank you for listening to, watching another episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. We'll be back again next week. And hopefully after certain product launches have happened and things can be talked about and discussed openly and objectively. So until then, good night.